Hey everybody, big announcement. We just dropped the Superken official merch store. Yes, you can support the podcast by grabbing our awesome new summer collection. Check out Superken official. And as always, thanks for listening and supporting. Welcome to Between the Fur. Thanks for listening, everybody. Today's guest, we have Andrew Johnson, the mascot for the Houston Texans. Toro, Toro. What's going on, Mr. Solomon? I'm a big fan of this podcast. I'm a big fan of your work, so it's an honor to be with you today. Oh, thank you. You're too kind. I appreciate you being on here and taking the time. We we talked a little bit back, and I actually got to see you this last weekend at Mascot Conference. How was that for you? It was such a great learning opportunity. I mean, the NBA guys are obviously known for the job that they do entertaining fans at the games. And so uh, I just I took a lot of notes and have a lot of great ideas uh, after being with some of the most creative guys in the industry. Oh, that's awesome. And have you, first of all, how long you've been in the league? How long have you been with the Texans or in professional sports? Yeah, so I started with the Texans. Uh, this will be season eight for me here with the team, but I also spent five years with the Kansas City Chiefs as a backup for Dan Muir. So I guess I've technically been in the league for about 12-ish years in total. Wow. Yeah. And working with Dan, how was that? I've had I mean, Dan I, on here. He's awesome. I love the guy <laughs> and I love the way he talks. Well, thanks for having me on there. Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't say enough good, positive things about Dan. He uh, he was the one that kind of introduced me to this entire industry. And uh, but he, he taught me so much more about so much more than just being a good mascot. I mean, I learned about how to be a good man of faith. I learned about how to be a good father, a good husband, just by watching him on a daily basis and the way that he interacts with people and his family. And uh, so I took a lot more away from my time with Dan than than just how to be a mascot. He's a spectacular individual. And we stole our mission statement here with the Texans from his mission statement with the Chiefs. His goal is always to be a character with character, making memories worth repeating. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. That's great, man. He's He's got such depth. And I, just being around him, he just exudes that kind of energy and excitement and humility and just being a good person and makes you want to be a better person. So, um, so with the Texans, you've been there, what, you said eight years, nine years? Going into my eighth season. Eighth, going into eighth season. How's that been for you? Man, it's been a dream come true, honestly. And uh, I'll share a little bit about my story and kind of how I got started. Yeah, please. Uh, Born and raised in, in Kansas City, Missouri. A lot of people don't realize there's a Kansas City, Missouri and a Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, but born and raised on the Missouri side. And I grew up and my parents were always trying to push me to play sports. They wanted me to play soccer and t-ball. And instead of do- doing much playing on the field, most of my playing involved practical jokes and goofing around with my friends when I was sitting on the bench. And I never in a million years <laughs> would have thought that my time as a bench warmer would lead to a job in the National Football League. So fast forward a couple of years. Uh, finally, I'm, I'm in, at my elementary school in the fifth grade, and uh, we had an assembly program that day, so I'm funneling into the cafeteria. As we're funneling in, Casey Wolf, the mascot for the Chiefs, is running around the cafeteria acting goofy. He's got those big hips, so he's shaking his hips. He's got the goofy eyeballs, making all the kids laugh. And once all the students got into the cafeteria, they eventually uh, he eventually worked his way to the front of the room and broke the number one mascot rule. He started to take his costume off in front of all of the students. So out pop two human hands, off comes the wolf head, and underneath the costume is 
Dan Mears, the, the longtime mascot for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so within his presentation, he talks about a lot of the, the cool things, opportunities that have been presented to him as a result of his job, the cool people that he's met. And then he ties it into some kind of educational message. And I have no idea what educational message he brought to my elementary school that day. Uh, the only thing that stuck with me was that he had the coolest job in the world. And that's something I wanted to do at some point down the road. So at the end of his presentation, he lets one of the kids try on his costume. And I was the student that was randomly selected no to way. try on the Casey Wolf costume that day. So I ran home from school, flung the door open and told my parents what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I was going to be a professional mascot. <laughs> I think they thought it was a phase and I would eventually grow out of it. And they at the age all of parents think that <laughs> at the age of 31, I obviously still have not not grown out of that phase. So that's kind of where it was all all inspired. Um, and then from there, my first opportunity was in high school. I did it for three years in high school, realized there's guys that get a scholarship to do this in college. So I eventually was on scholarship for a small division two school. And it was when I was there that I was like, there's guys that are making their living doing this. I've got to find a way to make that happen. So I transferred back home to Kansas City and started working with every team in town. I was a backup for Dan Mears with the Kansas City Chiefs. I was uh, the lion tamer, the mascot handler for the Kansas City Royals, making what? sure people were on Slugger's tail as he was running around Kauffman Stadium. And then got a job with Sporting Kansas City as their mascot, their game day mascot. I uh, had a gig with the minor league hockey team in town, working all their games and their appearances. Had some other corporate clients on the side. So did that, paid my way through college, working with all the different teams in town. Eventually, mom and dad are like, hey, we just spent a lot of money on this education. Um, should probably go go out and get a real job. And luckily, I, I've avoided a real job to this point. But my first real job, I guess you could say, was working for the Dallas Stars. They'd never had a mascot. And so they called on me to help them create this, this new character. So I debuted this new mascot, Victor E. Green, for them. Thought I'd be there for a long time. Uh, but uh, basically a year in, I got a call from somebody I used to work with at the Chiefs organization that had moved to Houston, was working in their marketing department, told me their mascot was retiring and that I needed to move to Houston. Like, I don't think that's a good idea. I just took this new job. It doesn't really look good on a resume if you leave a job less than a year in. Uh, but he convinced me to come down here and talk to him and it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, it's been a really, really fun uh, last seven years and really excited about what's to come. Okay, that just sounds like a, a big lesson in persistence right there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow, for anybody wanting to, a professional position, I mean, look at look at all the stuff that you did preparing yourself. Did you ever feel like the bridesmaid never a bride, or did you think <laughs> did you think I'll, yeah, no, this is just the next step. This is I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. How did that feel with all those different with all the different mascots and backups and assistants and things like that that you were? Yeah, I mean. I think it's so weird. And obviously listening to your podcast, you get to hear a lot of the stories. And there's a lot of guys in this industry that just kind of fell into their positions. And I'm the complete opposite. I, I pursued this position very, very heavily. And I knew that this is what, what I wanted to do at, at some point. And all those opportunities taught me something. And uh, it was also just such a great networking opportunity because as you know, in this business, it's not what you know, it truly is who you know. And that's, that's, that's where you're going to find the opportunities. A lot of these jobs aren't posted on teamwork online or on any of the indeed or any of those websites and so you just have to know people and so luckily by kind of casting a wide net and working with all those different teams i was able to meet a lot of the right people that have helped me along my journey good deal man i'll tell you i'm gonna give a little shout out here to adam chang 
He's uh, looking to get into the business, wants to learn more. He's reached out to me lately. And uh, so, hey, listen up, Adam. This is uh, some good stuff right here. Good luck, Adam. Yeah. Now, uh, now as we uh, as we fast forward here, what's what's the best part of your of your job now? I mean, you're with the you're in an NFL situation. How is it on a big old field like that? I've done NFL games and that is a that's a big stage. That is a big stage. How do you cover all that? Man, that's a really, really good question, because obviously at the NBA conference, we're talking a lot about the different things that you guys are doing. And I'm a little envious because, you know, the court's a lot smaller and you guys are able to be at center stage and really conduct the crowd when you guys are out there. You're a focal point. Whereas in the NFL, we can be out on the playing surface pregame and postgame. Um, and we can we can run out there and do some little things uh, during the timeouts and things, but we're not able to be in the middle of the field and, and kind of conduct the crowd the way that the NBA guys are. So we really work very closely with our game presentation team to to create that home field advantage utilizing Toro. And I think that's kind of where we found our niche here with the Texans. We've taken a lot of learnings from the NBA and what you guys do with hot timeouts. And we coined a term called progressions that we utilize here with the Texans. And so we can't kill a timeout. We don't have that luxury here in the NFL. We only have 10 games. And so we're not able to just completely clear a timeout and try and create some hype. And so what we found is instead of having to take up any in-game inventory, we'll build a defensive possession. And so let's say uh, the Texans are on defense and right before first down, we cut to Toro and it's about a 15 second bit where we're telling the fans to get loud. And we'll do that with a variety of different ways. Um, so for this one, we'll, I'll just say we're using some tearaway t-shirts. And so we cut to Toro on the sidelines. He's up on the video board conducting the crowd that way with a t-shirt that says, Gets, get loud. Pumping him up, uh, we cut back to action on the field. In between uh, first and second down, we cut back to Toro. Get loud, oh, you guys can do better than that. Rip that first shirt off, chuck it, and then says, get louder, Love go back to the action on the field. And then at uh, hopefully, you know, maybe they, they get a couple yards. It's a big third down. We cut back to Toro, who rips that second t-shirt off, get loudest, pump them up. And then probably we probably rip that shirt off again. And it's Toro in his like, you know, muscle outfit, really trying to get the fans into the game. And so that's something I'm really, really proud of that we've done here and uh, something unique to our program. Um, and that's how, how we really utilize Toro on game day to help create the home field advantage at NRG Stadium. To have just a short amount of time. I love that, how you took that, spun it, and make it a, you know, make it a big thing. Because that's truly something you can do in 10 seconds and you know, get back to play. I, I got to tell you one time, I, I, this was years ago. I was a younger man at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but... This is back when the Nuggets were uh, playing in McNichols Arena, which was on the other side of the parking lot from Mile High Stadium. And they invited me to come over and do a game for some reason. I can't remember. And I didn't, you know, I knew what I did in college. <laughs> and uh, in college, man, you can pretty much get away with anything. So I, would, I, was, I was on the field several times and a couple of times during play. But mostly... Like, you know, just at the other end of the field or whatever. But, man, there would be a timeout or a, some kind of break, and they, they have some promotion going on in the, up on the big screen or whatever. But I'd, I'd run out on the field at Mile High Stadium. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, of course, they didn't even have a mascot at the time. This was pre, 
Um, yeah, well, I was going to say his name. The guy's name inside, but um, this is pre-Miles. I almost spit that out there, uh, and I know he doesn't want his name out there. But <laughs> this is pre-Miles, okay? So backing up here, uh, they actually asked me if I was interested in becoming their mascot. I'm like, man, I can't do both, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I was out there on the field, and I would run out and uh, do the whole side-to-side, you know, getting them cheering side-to-side, and – then I remember coming off the field at one point and I was on the wrong side of the field <laughs> opposing team. And there was, I don't know who they were playing, but there was this big guy looking at me. I'm like, yeah, what's up? Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> and that, that's what I, that's, he's looking at me like squaring off with me. This is one of their players, huge mountain of a man. And then I, <laughs> so I slowly drew a line in the sand and uh, he's like, Oh, it's like that, right? Okay. Man, he came right at me. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, this is it. I'm dead. It was like getting hit by a train. He, he full-on tackled me, but not before he lifted me up and just and then just drove me into the ground. Got a big response, and the crowd went nuts and all that. But, man, I love football games, though. It's a whole nother crowd. It's a whole nother vibe and and feeling out there so props did you see that viral video that uh was on the internet this past week with one of the packers players doing that drill against the minor league baseball mascot no he he just he just drills him in the i think it was a little like kingfish or something and his little head just pops off and i know that i don't know if it was an intern or there was a you know a consistent performer for that that character but he probably needed an ice bath that night because it looked like it hurt (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh well, okay, so sticking with this little theme right here, uh, I love, and this one, this is one thing I'm going to miss, is uh, doing Miles' birthday party where we, he invites all the guys to come in. And <laughs> a few years ago, uh, one, of my, one of these uh, times went viral where we were playing this little kid team. Yep. And... I think they're getting bigger and bigger. Either that or I'm getting shorter and shorter. But, man, they bring out these little kids, and they're about my height. <laughs> Luckily, they're a little thinner. Uh, but we were out there, and I don't know. I love just pushing the limits. So at one point, this kid's running to the side. We're You know, I'm on defense. This kid's running to the side, running to the side. I'm blocking. You know, I'm trying to get these kids out of the way, and I'm, you know <laughs> – <laughs> also i get to this kid and just boom i hit him and uh he went out of bounds and everything then i stood over and kind of taunting him and everything and as he gets up <laughs> dude karate kid and everything and uh yeah that one went viral in in, in a couple different directions <laughs> so <laughs> yeah oh i keep knocking over your little bobblehead you gave me here so this is the what is this like the miniature bobblehead the tiny bobblehead love that Um, yeah no we uh we do a lot of those games guys around the similar to the nba you know mascot birthday parties they'll they'll bring us to those halftime games and so a couple years back the miami dolphins brought us out there for one of their halftime football games it was mascots versus peewees and i think the previous year the miami heat mascot had ruffled some feathers or he was a little too aggressive towards the kids and so the dolphins came up with a way to try to keep him intact and so 
we they entered all the kids they entered all the mascots and they're like oh there's one player we forgot and they brought out one of their former players to play with the youth football team and he did a pretty good job <laughs> of keeping bernie from the miami heat in check it was pretty funny oh that's awesome <laughs> hey you gotta do what you gotta do that's right that's right <laughs> yeah uh, well i got kind of a reputation and so after that after that one time man all these kids every every time we played the peewees coming out after that they're always like pointing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's you it's you oh double so, team triple yeah team. they oh. <laughs> yeah a couple of times they had their way with me but what a what a great time we also do that at the mascot bowl in in utah have you been to that i have not uh, oh, you gotta go. just invited me I, I would love to get out there for that uh it's a good time we we play a junior high team but I think they need to go down to like, I don't know, fifth graders. Cause kid, I don't know what they're feeding them out there, but those kids are, <laughs> they all, they're all massive kids by the time they're in middle school. So one time I, one time I came off the field though, after getting hit by this kid, I swear he was huge. And man, I went back into the locker room and I had blood just streaming down my face. Yeah. Cause some part of my helmet broke or there was some bolt in there or something that w- wasn't set in right <laughs> i have a scar from it yeah right up here on my forehead but it gets no, a little a crazy football game yeah it's a real football game these guys are hitting hard that's right we can't see right so i yeah i think one of the hottest most challenging appearances i've ever done my very first season with the texans the pro bowl was in honolulu and so I uh, got a free paid trip to Hawaii, which is pretty cool and pretty mm-hmm. exciting for a guy after his very first season in the NFL. So flew out there and uh, they had this place called Pro Bowl Beach, which was the equivalent of a fan fest. And so they had all sorts of activations. They had a stage and an MC, but all this lived out on the beach in Honolulu. And so uh, it's it's smoking hot out there. The sun's up there. And so it was probably one, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, was the time they had all the mascots come out and they wanted us to play some peewees in football. We're like, hey, we've done this before. You know, we go out and do half times. So we all suit up and the area they had us to change in was just uh, a little tent with some plastic walls. So I don't know if you, I mean, you've probably changed it's like an up oven. It's, it's hot outside, but when you get into one of those, it's a lot hotter because there's no breeze or no air. And so you're no sweating as you're just putting the costume on, which is just one of the grossest feelings in the world. So finally get the costume on. We all get out there to get ready for intros. And we lean over to our contact and say, hey, how how long is this game going to be? Like about an hour, like an hour out here on the beach playing football. Like we're used to a halftime show that's about six minutes long. Not to mention. So they finally intro us and we come running out across the field. I'm like, why are my feet so hot? So it was, there was a slab of turf that had just been soaking up the sun all day long leading no. up. Until point. So it feels like you're running across hot coals and. Luckily, we got out of the game a little early because one of the guys almost passed out. And so that was what told the NFL that I think this was a little bit um, little bit too much. And so I think we probably paid, played for 15 to 20 minutes. But it was probably one of the hottest appearances I've ever done in my life. That's brutal. <laughs> Especially with the humidity and, oh, yeah, I would have been puking in there. <laughs> wow. So... With uh, with what you're doing now, and or sorry, with the Texans, what's your what's your game day look like in in a in a in the NFL? 
you know, I think my counterparts here in the city of Houston give me a really, really hard time because we have 10 home games. So we've got our two preseason games, eight regular season games. And my my buddy Orbit over at the Houston Astros will do that in one singular homestand. Yeah. He'll work 10 games. But I will say in the NFL, we view every single one of those games similar to a home opener. Every game has a game theme and has new unique elements that are specific to that individual game. So it's a huge production to put on one of these games. Um, so there's there's just a lot that goes into. So there's a lot of planning. There's there's a <laughs> I mean, we all do planning in the off season, But if you're doing a major production for 10 games. So you're 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 having to plan out. Exactly. Yeah, there's something new. So there's there's a lot of unique elements to every single game. And so my planning for the season starts when the schedule is released. And so uh, schedules released, we usually put our theme schedule together pretty quickly after that. And then I host what I call an idea palooza. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It's a brainstorm meeting where we use people from inside the organization and outside the organization to come up with as many ideas as possible for the upcoming year. Sometimes we'll go through every individual home game. We'll look at the, the game theme, the opponent, the time of year, what could potentially be happening in pop culture, and try and come up with all of our unique creative elements for each one of those games, whether that be a live skit, a video skit, a stunt, or uh, you know whatever we wanted to do for, for those individual games. Uh, and we spend an entire day fleshing out the entire schedule. And so uh, whenever we come closer to those games, about a month or two out, we have uh, a committee that meets to talk about game day. And I can I can pitch that committee our top three ideas and see kind of where the room's at and PR is in that room and uh, everybody. And so if there's any sensitivities or anything, we can flesh those out way before we actually get close to game day. So that is another hard thing because we plan so far out. Sometimes it's harder for us to be more witty and in the moment, whereas like we were watching the coyote and immediately after the Will Smith incident, two days later, he's doing something a skit that's attached to that and relevant to pop culture, whereas it would be a little bit more challenging for us to be able to turn something like that around because of how far we, we plan out and get all those things prepared for our games. But um, so, yeah, all of our planning starts months ahead of the actual season with that idea of lose a meeting and then fast forward um, actual game day execution. Uh, luckily, our mascot department has two full time people. So I oversee things as the senior mascot program manager, I think is my title now. And then Ooh. Ryan is our mascot program manager. And so Ryan's the one who books all of our appearances. He hosts all of our school programs. He oversees all of our social media coverage. Um, and we just, we work uh, in tandem. Uh, he's my teammate and that everything that we do uh, as Team Toro is a result of, of the two of us working hard together. But uh, the two of us show up around 5.30 in the morning on a game day. And so our, the locker room we use on game day isn't ours throughout the entire year. We just get to utilize it on game day. So we have to move all of our stuff into our locker room. So we do that from about 5.30 to 7.30 when a lot of our game day staff arrives. Once they get there, we do an overview meeting. So everybody knows what their roles and responsibilities are going to be for that game. About 8 o'clock is when we start our on-field rehearsals. We're in on-field rehearsals from like 8 to 9.30. Rehearse every single element that you're going to see on field. Q to Q. There. Yep. yep. Q to Q. Uh, from there, I'm, I'm getting in costume and doing all of our pregame stuff. So we have tailgate visits and uh, premium areas for folks that um, have those uh, premium tickets, meet and greets and that sort of thing. Um, and then we get back in probably 11, 11, 15, take a quick uh, drink of water. And then we start our pregame show about 1130 on the field. Um, and so from there, we're just we're running. Um, and once kickoff hits. First quarter for me, I kind of just do a lap around the field to to say hello to all those fans who are down in the lower bowl. 
Um, and then by first quarter break, that's the area that the Texans give me to do whatever we want to creatively. Yeah. And so that's when we're doing our live skit, our video skit, uh, we'll do a stunt or something, but we try to try to mix that up and do something different every single game. So we activate during first quarter break. Uh, second quarter is when I'll go out and I'll do any kind of visits I have. So we always visit the owner's box and sometimes we'll have another visit or two for um, some other special guests that are in the house. While I'm out doing all those visits, we have a big inflatable version of Toro that's entertaining fans on the sidelines. So Toro is always visible, uh, whether I'm, you know, I'm out doing seat visits, we have somebody, uh, a Toro presence on the sidelines. Uh, sometimes we're involved in halftime, sometimes we're not. And then third quarter, I do what, what I call sidelines. And so it'll be a unique costume, a unique prop. Like Christmas time, we have uh, four boxes that are set on top of each other. And it looks like Toro's kind of, you know, walking these these boxes stacked on top of each other on the sidelines and he's about to, to drop them, but they're all connected. And so uh, we'll scare some of the cheerleaders to see Toro start to get a little wobbly and then the boxes fall and the cheerleader kind of braces for impact, but they're all, they're all connected. And so uh, a silly prop or costume, something like that will work our, our way around the field. And because the stadium's so big, I look at all four corners of the, of the stadium as a different audience. And so we'll take the exact same bit, but do it four different times for those four different audiences. And then the fourth quarter is all about creating the home field advantage. So that's where we'll, we'll do a lot of the progressions that I was telling you about and leaning into Toro as the conductor of the crowd. So by the end of the game, I'm exhausted. And uh, <laughs> I like actually it. get connected to an IV after every game to try and replenish my body of all the resources, uh, the yeah, of everything that I've, I've lost throughout the, throughout the day. Yeah, it's amazing how, how spent you can get in that costume. And, you know, especially in temperatures down there, come on. Oh, I can't even imagine. Houston is unbearable as it is. I don't know how you guys do that down there. Man. Now, luckily, we've got a roof and we've got air conditioning, so it's always 72 degrees inside NRG. But yeah, uh, yeah but those pregame tailgate, tailgating visits and everything else we do, it, it's pretty toasty out there. Yeah, but, I mean, okay, there's humidity as well. I mean, like, how, how, do, how do mascots do this in, in Florida and Houston? Man. Uh, we've got one of our hottest events of the year coming up, and it's our training camp. We hold, host training camp across the street from our, our stadium here in Houston. And so practice normally starts around 8, but even at 8 o'clock in the morning, it can be 100 degrees and close to 100% humidity. So it, uh, it's, it's pretty toasty, but I will say uh, just knowing that football's on the horizon and the excitement and energy in the air at training camp, it, it, it gets you through. It's, it's a lot of fun. I love gearing up for a new season. I, I can't wait. Out. Usually I can't wait for summer to hit because, uh, you know, it's summer and uh, slows down quite a bit. But by the end of summer, man, it's like, let's go, let's go. You know, I love gearing up. So I love the fact that you mentioned that you have more than one assistant. You got two assistants, one main assistant. My philosophy is this is a two-man show. So anybody that is listening that thinks that it's just the mascot, think again. You have to have, and I suggest, even, you know, hands down, you have to have a full-time assistant. None of this part-time stuff. You also need somebody scheduling you. should never be doing scheduling by yourself. That is, that's a no-no in my book. And, and then, you know, bring on a couple other guys for game days but you really need a full-time assistant to bounce things off of to have your back to get to know you besides handle all the day-to-day -day stuff 
that gives you the opportunity to be the mascot, be creative, and also work on the character, the character of the character, and 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 not worry about okay, I I need to worry about this contract right here and things like that. It's kind of a sensitive issue with me. So, yeah, no, that's exactly. I, I'm, a, I'm a purist. I'm a purist when it comes to mascotting, obviously. So. It's really hard to be creative when your entire inbox is filled with appearance requests and, uh, you know, administrative tasks. It's that stressful. You accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first started with the Texans, uh, the, the previous performer was full time and he had an intern and the intern's responsibility was to be the handler at appearances and booked all of the school programs. But all the additional appearances were booked by by him, the, the performer. Yeah. And it was a really hard season because there was just no time to be creative. It's hard to get all of your stuff in for game day, your PA reads, coming up with the creative concepts, getting video shot. Uh, and, and so luckily, uh, Ryan came on. He filled that intern role for about a year and a half. At the end of that year and a half, I was like, there's no way I can accomplish and take this program where I want it to go by having a new person come in every year and having to train them up. <laughs> And then also having to deal with all the administrative tasks and man, Ryan's really helped us take things to the next level. And he's my teammate. There's no way we would have accomplished anything that we we've accomplished over the last seven years without him. So he's a huge part of what we do. I'll tell you what, looking back, my big moments, all of my big moments were when I had a full-time assistant helping me day in, day out. And my good years, my real good years were, yeah, when I had a full-time assistant. I will add on, though, on actual game day, it's Ryan, myself, and we have four game day staff members that come in to help us fulfill actual game day. Bing. And Everybody hearing that? Four additionals. Yeah, so there, we're a team of six on, on game day, and yeah. there's even times with a team of six where I'm like, I don't know how we're going to accomplish this, and we have to bring in people from other areas in, able, in order to help us execute some of these things that we're doing. So uh, it's a big operation. Uh, and like I said, we, we couldn't do it without them. Okay. Next question here. What do you feel is your strength as a mascot? Everybody's got their strengths. Everybody's got their weaknesses. Uh, and, and, and it's funny because we talked a lot of, I talked a lot about this with other guys this last weekend. And it was interesting yeah, I can get into all that, but what do you think? What do you think yours are? Before I answer that question, I want to hear your answer. Oh, when it okay. comes to, to your Look program, and you and don't answer done. a question with a question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cheating. Um, you know, uh, I would say my strength is uh, spontaneity, working a crowd. That's where I really have fun. First of all. And I think that's right where I really shine. I can, I can work a crowd off the court um, pretty well, I, I, would, I would say. And, of course, my backwards half-court shot was I – I got that pretty good. But I think overall, my crowd work. Yeah, I, I, I love that. It's a challenge. You never know what's going to happen with people, right. obviously. Uh, I've had so many crazy experiences, you know, walking up into the stands, walking up steps, and all of a sudden uh, I had a girl one time run down the steps screaming my name and, you know, turning and <laughs> she just leaped off the steps into my arms, totally <laughs> drunk, totally drunk, 
throws her legs around me, and uh, it was not appropriate. I had to get some help to get her off me. But you never know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, climbing the steps and, and all that, climbing over people, uh, just just in the crowd. I love being in the crowd. So that's my I don't think my answer is going to be near as exciting as yours, but uh, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. My degree is in business. And so I think where I excel is building building brands and finding ways to show the organization value utilizing their mascot character. And when I look at my program, there's three areas of emphasis that I think where a mascot can generate value for your organization. Number one is in-game entertainment. That's everything we've already been talking about. Game day, how are you making this? How are you making the game day atmosphere something that people want to come to? Because in our case, it's no secret. You can watch our games for free by sitting on your couch and watching it on TV. But why do the people want to come to NRG Stadium and see the game in person? That's what we can generate for, for our fans. Number two is brand awareness and community impact. You guys know as good as, as we do, we, we've got 10 home games. And so the, the emphasis of what we do is in the Houston community. We're doing 350 to 400 appearances a year and really trying to grow the Texans fan base, especially from a youth marketing standpoint. So um, that's a big component to what we do, brand awareness and community impact. And finally, we're trying to make some money for the team. You know, we want to be a revenue generator. We're not just trying to spend all the money. Um, and so the, the Toro program in total is generating close to half a million dollars for the Texans organization through a lot of our uh, corporate initiatives. Uh, all of our school programs are sponsored. We don't charge the schools to do those. And so between all of our corporate initiatives, we're generating almost half a million dollars for the Texans. So uh, that's where I think I excel. And that's that's really where I think my strengths lie is in is in growing a brand and, and viewing my mascot program as a small business. Okay. That blows my mind out of the water right there. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go back and edit mine out there. Cause that's. <laughs> and I, I'll be the first to say, I think there's a lot more talented performers out there. I think there's a lot of, like, a lot of guys that are more creative than I am, but yeah, I think that's probably where my strengths lie. Well, no, and that right there for anybody coming into the league, that right there is uh, and anybody in any kind of special any kind of professional sports that is so key right there really if you're not providing value for your team you won't last if you're not building your brand you won't last if you're not bringing in money you won't last that's what that really is a huge part of what you do you may be talented but if you can't generate that kind and 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 present it in a way to your company that is under you know that they can understand because most companies their bottom dollar really that's what it comes down to what's the brand what's it worth on and on and on so good call on that so i'll go back to my little strength and i'll tell you that a lot of people say that i can tell a story uh, without saying anything, I had uh, a good friend of mine who played in the NBA become my assistant at one point. I don't know if I've said this on this podcast before, but uh, Mark Randall, good guy. He was uh, my assistant for a few years, and what a treat that was. It was interesting because we'd walk into an appearance, and I was used to being the the thing that drew everybody's eyes. <laughs> when I got him, we'd walk in. Here's big old Mark. 
That's the first thing they'd see. Wow. <laughs> oh, and Rocky's with him too. So it was a little bit, little bit of a switch, but he was a great spokesman for me and, and did all my uh, all the speaking engagements that needed something like that. But I remember one, at one point we went to a birthday party and it was a very intimate setting and we were in a small room with like, I don't know, 25 people at the back of this bar. And we left there after a half hour. It was just a half hour deal. And we're walking out to the car and he goes, that was incredible, man. I mean, seriously. I go, why? There was, that was the most awkward situation. We're just sitting in this room, this back room with all these people. And they're just drinking and sitting at tables and talking. He goes, no, man. He goes, I sat there and watched you have a conversation. And you never said a word. He's like, it was incredible. And like, I literally listened to everything that you said. And I didn't hear anything. It's like, wow, well, that's kind of cool. So, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's something I had to share there. Cause yours, that, yeah, it's my strength. Cade's over here on the mic. He's like, yeah, that's your strength. Not the email thing. Not the email thing. I suck at emails. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> I suck at emails. Write me an email, text me. Okay. Let me know that you wrote me an email. I'm just saying that right now. I do better with texts. Well, <laughs> you're a family man. Yes, sir. How many appearances do you do in a season, in a year? We're somewhere about 350 to, to 400. So about 100 of those are internal. So if that's you know marketing, community relations, ticketing, anybody internally, uh, about 50 of those are school programs. We do about 100 to 150 appearances for our corporate partners, and then about another 100. I hope my math's right. But about another 50 to 100, uh, we're, we're, they're just paid appearances so people can fill out the request form on our website and, and have Toro come surprise their kid for a birthday party or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, nights and weekends, that's, that's kind of where we live. It, it's hard when you're, when you're growing your family. Yeah. Well, as you, as you do, though, do you see that you have the time to, you know, where you're not in the office or do you have to be in the office every day? You're in the office yeah. now. I love your office. I mean, that's it looks really <laughs> like futuristic. So we, it looks like you're on a spaceship, but <laughs> we've been on the road for about the past week because uh, we went to uh, Mexico City, Monterey. We were back for a day, spent the day with our family, and then we were on the road to San Antonio. So uh, we've been out of the office for about a week now. So we're trying to play catch up back here in the office. But yeah, we're we try to be in the office as much as we can. Uh, and that's where we can we can get a lot done. Wow, and you're uh what you have a little daughter i do yeah she's about a year and a half wow that's so cool yeah i have a grandson that's about the same age that's wild. no just almost turning two yeah i actually i just listened to your episode about growing your family as a as a professional mascot and it was really really interesting i appreciated everything the insights that you guys provided in that episode wow well i appreciate you listening to that one thing that i would suggest honestly is Gosh, as soon as you can, take her on the road with you. It was awesome to have my kids along with me. And, you know, they kind of need to be able to sit there on their own. But I started them at about, I don't know, seven or eight. Um, other things that we learned together, <laughs> uh, I would teach them 
how to get through an airport. Remember that? Yeah. Kate's like, oh, yeah. We, we pull up to the airport. Okay, what do we do first? Do we need, we've got bags. What do we do with them? You know? Oh, yeah, we got to go check those. Okay, yeah. So we'd go, all right, now we got to go to security, right? How do we get to security? Where do we go? Once we're through, the, what gate are we at? Got to go to, get me to the gate. And we'd land. All right, we got to go get our bags. How do we get there? Look, read the signs, read the signs. So lots of fun stuff. Okay. Um, give me, give me a, give me a something that's just happened to you that you didn't expect some kind of crazy story. Cause we have them. We all have them. Something that is just, I've got, I've got, I've got two that really come to mind. One's a heartfelt, um, a heartfelt story. Please. I was working for the um, a minor league hockey team in Kansas City at the time. And we were the the Missouri Mavericks. The character's name was Mac. He was a big googly-eyed horse. And I had so much fun. What character have you not been? <laughs> <laughs> you got a handful. <laughs> man, you got like a resume there. It's true. But man, we were independent hockey in a non-traditional hockey market. So the city of Kansas City didn't really know a whole lot about the sport of hockey. And, you know, being independent, this this was not an affiliated league. So these guys aren't coming up or coming down. These were guys that were either on the front end of their careers or on the back end of their careers. And so uh, when I came in, they're like, we just want you to go out there and have have fun. We want this to be a fun atmosphere. We're not selling hockey. We're selling fun. We want our fans to come in here and have a good time. And so as a mascot, that's the best case scenario you can possibly ask best. for. You know, there was no rules. So yeah. we went out there and had a ball. And I had social media was just kind of starting up. And so I had a Twitter account for our character. And there was one fan that anytime I would put something out, she engaged with it. It was a like or a retweet. I'm like, who is this girl? And so after some time, she'd respond. And we'd have conversations. Just This is all on Twitter. Uh, came to find out she was one of our season ticket holders. And so I'd start to see her at the games. And so we created a relationship at the games. And she was just an avid Mac super fan. And after some time, I'm like, man, this, she really, she really likes Mac. Um, and so I would see her at community events, games, and, and all over the place. And it was probably, you know, six months in a year into our relationship, uh, I was at one of our fan club events outside of the costume. Cause that's important to, to go out and build relationships with your season ticket holders. And I got to know the ushers and just anybody I possibly could outside of the costume. Um, building those relationships helps you when you're actually in costume working the games. You've got allies and friends around the arena that are going to help you with these bits. And so I was at one of the fan club events and she came up and, and tapped me on the shoulder and she said, are you the guy that wears the Mac costume? And I knew who she was because obviously we've interacted all these all these years. And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. It, it's nice to officially meet you outside the costume. And she goes, she introduced herself and and she she said, I just want to thank you. Thank me for what? She said, you got me through a really, really, really hard time. I lost both my parents in the span of, I think it was just a, a couple short months. And my way to disconnect from what was happening in my personal life was by being immersed with the Mavericks, going to the games and everything that I, I did with you on Twitter and, and seeing you at the games and the events. That's what helped me cope through a really, really challenging situation in my life. And so it's, it's, uh, it's that story that helps you remember why we do what we do. We're going out there and having a good time, but you have no idea what the people who bought a ticket come through those gates, what they're going through. And so hopefully when they enter those gates, they can kind of forget about what's happening in, in their personal life. Yeah. So true. 
You never know what's going on in people's lives. I have some. I have a similar story, but tell me, tell me your second one. <laughs> this one's a lot more lighthearted and a lot more. <laughs> um, and I give Ryan a hard time about this constantly, but um, President George H.W. Bush was a big Texans fan. He and his wife Barbara lived here in Houston, and they would come to games uh, a couple times every single season. And so every time I got the opportunity to, uh, you know, I'm a little kid from Kansas City, Missouri, never thought I would ever see a living president, let alone get the opportunity to shake hands with a living president. So uh, he was always sitting up in the owner's box, and uh, the folks that work with our, our ownership team had asked, hey, every game, can you come visit the owner's box and interact with all of the McNair's guests? Absolutely. So in the second quarter, I would always, second or third quarter, I would always make it up to the owner's box and interact with their guests. Well, Mr. Uh, President Bush would uh, be up there whenever he was at the games. And so every time I could, I would go up there, I would shake his hand and I would take a picture with him because um, that was just the coolest thing in the world to me was just getting to see him in person. And so um, this was a, one particular game we were heading towards the owner's box and we saw Secret Service come around the corner. And so we knew the president was was leaving the game. And so he was coming around the corner. So I looked to Ryan. I said, Ryan, can can you get your camera ready so I can get a picture with, with the president? And so he did. He pulled out his camera and here comes uh, President Bush and Barbara just shortly behind him. And I went up to him and asked him for a photo. I stood up there next to him. And as we're standing there, sweet Barbara Bush looks to Ryan, who was holding the camera, and said, uh, young man, why don't you come get your picture with the president? And Ryan's like, I'm not supposed to you know, ask for pictures. So no, 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 it's okay. I, I don't need a picture. No, I insist. Come get your picture with the president. No, 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 it's okay. Please, please, please. No, no, no. So my my assistant, our, our mascot manager, uh, told the first lady of the president uh, of the United States, no three times. Uh, <laughs> I'd be like, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. <laughs> He's not really a picture person, but at the end of the day, if the first lady asked me to do anything, my first answer is absolutely. I don't care what it is. <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> what else? Who else would you like a picture with? I'll get it. <laughs> wow. That's, that's amazing. I got to say, I've never taken my picture with or I've never gotten a picture with the president. Really? Yeah. Yep. Who are some of the most prolific people you've had the opportunity to meet? Oh, let's see. I don't know. They're mostly like movie stars and stuff. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, Will Smith. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith several times, actually. It's really been interesting. I look back and I think, you know, all the time, who'd have thought, who'd have thought, who'd have thought, you know? And uh, I, I do have a story, a quick story about a, uh, a family that started showing up at appearances. And this uh, young man, I could tell, had uh, autism. And actually, I didn't know what he had at first. I just knew that he was always there and um, he would, you know, get... Um, you know, really excited when he saw me and stuff. But when I got too close, he wanted me to back off a little bit. But he ended up being at a ton of appearances. Come to find out a similar situation, um, you know, where, you know, he just, he just wanted to be around Rocky. And, uh, you know, come to find out his, his parents 
that's the only way they could soothe him is by uh, telling, you know, hey, he, Rocky's going to be at this appearance. We're going to go. He'd get all excited. And, you know, what was able to, you know, cope with things, they were able to cope with him. Finally, uh, they said, you know, do you, do you have any videos that we could watch? This is, you know, early on. <laughs> and uh, like, yeah, you know, I've actually got, I could, I could get him a, a VHS tape or something. This is way back. And come to find out, he wore that tape out. We had, we, once we gave it to him, I mean, literally, he would sit at home, watch the whole video, press rewind, watch the whole video, press wow. rewind. I don't know how many, I mean, his, his parents sit, just said that all day, he'd just sit there and watch Rocky over and over and over. And they said just, you know, they ended up thanking me. I have a picture of him at home. And uh, it, it's one of the times I got to give him a hug. And you should see his face. It's priceless. Uh, but you know what? I, I know what it means to be around those people that, that uh, just, you know, are going through something. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's the stuff that, like you said, reminds you of why you do this and what the, what the real impact you have in the world is. So right. I have right. a ton of stories like that. Very fortunate. We're both very blessed, sounds like. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a, a dream come true for me, and uh, it's just so cool to be able to do this after after having this dream for so long. Yeah, can't take advantage. I mean, you just got to know how blessed we we truly are, and, and enjoy the moments because I I know it's not going to last forever, and so I'm trying to trying to soak up everything I can while uh, while I'm doing it. Yeah, well, pretty soon you'll be like me <laughs> on the other end of it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Andrew, it's been a real pleasure having you on here i appreciate your time it's so great i i love connecting with uh with not only new guys but other leagues as well so uh you know hey, tell us how to get a hold of you if somebody wants to book an appearance absolutely yeah if you just go to houstontexans.com slash toro that's kind of the the central focal point uh that you can go to for all the information it's got all of our appearances on there it's got all of our social media outlets on there it's got our email address on there so would love to connect with you and uh, any aspiring mascot professionals uh, i would love to help you out in any way i possibly can so please connect with me on linkedin or uh, any social platforms uh, my name is just andrew p johnson on most social platforms so please connect we'd love to connect with you guys awesome Thank you so much, Andrew. Man, you are very well-spoken for being a guy in a costume. You need to be speaking more. I'm telling you. Well, Ken, and thank you for doing this podcast. I just, I know growing up, I had shared my story and just how uh, how I pursued this as a career. And there weren't resources like this out there. And uh, so often we always talk about wanting to be a fly on the wall of these different conversations. And that, that's what this podcast is. You're allowing myself and other aspiring mascot performers to be a fly on the wall, to hear these conversations from, from guys like yourself and other guys in the NBA and just to learn from you guys. And so thank you for doing this because I know younger, uh, younger version of Andrew would have really, really appreciated this. So thank you. Well, appreciate you saying that. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate you. And uh, we'll, we'll be connecting soon. Peace. Thanks for listening to Between the Fur.